Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele. The weirder the book, the better. Keith Steigert. Reading the books your mother warned you about. Megan Runyon, reading YA, and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time, they are three book girls. If you check TikTok, you will be able to see us going through some interesting motions in order to get the podcast on the air this week because we were recording again on Friday night, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world, yeah. recording on Friday night. But getting back to the way uh, we did do things is difficult if you haven't done it for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. So, therefore, there was no show prep, and I have nothing funny. Oh, but you know what? We do have an ad, kind of. What? We do. We have an ad. We have to talk about our ad. What ad? We should our, our for our bookstore. Yes. Oh. oh. Yeah. So for our listeners who um, order books online and but still want to support um, their local indie, you can shop and not necessarily certain Mr. Bezos. Exactly. <laughs> um, if you want to disavow Mr. Bezos, um, you can go to bookshop.org. And we're actually, we'll post the link on our Facebook and it's actually in our link tree, which is on our uh, bios and things for Instagram. But we have bookshop.org slash shop slash three book girls. And each week we'll go in and add each book that we review and you can order books through bookshop.org, designate proceeds to your local indie and then you also help us because we get a little bit of the commission of sending you through our shop front on bookshop.org so it's a triple win because you get the book you want your local indie still gets the credit for it and then you're also helping your three book girls pay for gear yeah, that we need the gadget that we need to hook up and it's a it's a great service because i even before we set up our bookstore i had ordered a book on there to support another organization and the shipping. I mean, you pay a little bit for shipping, but it's not outrageous and it's very, very fast. That book was in my hands in no time. Yes. So we'll post the links everywhere. It's already live. We, we're not going back 367 episodes and adding. <laughs> in other words, Megan is a little bit lazy. Well, you She can, doesn't want to go well, add all the books. Yes, but because you have to type in the IMDb Sorry, I'm also number. close to her right know, now. The book bunch is uh, imminent, um, incoming. But I you have feel to it. add each ISBN. Like, you can't just search your book. So you have to physically go in. Oh, and, she's making excuses yeah. for being lazy. But I put in at least one for each of us so far. And every week, looking forward, if you want to purchase the book. Actually, we would love feedback because if it's a... Would people rather... Have if the book is available in paperback, would people rather me put the paperback, or would they rather me put the hardback, or would you rather me put both? So comment. What, is there audio option? I don't know. Uh, I do not believe there is. I don't oh. think there is. Sad days. No, we we but, set up one for my husband's books yeah, too. Yeah, for Ron. And, yeah. Ron Richard, it's not, author. Yes. Yes. But no, there at least that was a couple of months ago, but there was not an option to do okay. audio. 
hardcover and paper. So let me know if we want, if uh, listeners, when I post the link on Facebook, if you'll go in and comment or DM us or whatever, and let me know, would you rather have the paperback, the hardback, or do you want me to put both? And you can dealer's choice. Hmm. But I think because you have to click the link in the shop. In order for us Mm -hmm. and your indie bookstore to get credit for your books. Yeah. So we would love feedback on what you would like because I'm a hardback book buyer, but they're obviously a lot of like Keith's books are going to be paperback by nature because romances are typically paperback. But so let us know and we will make it happen for you. No, we won't make it happen. Megan will make it for you. It was the royal we. Right? The royal. That was the royal we. Also a great book, by the way. <laughs> I think I already reviewed it. Maybe I'll put that in my link tree since we made the good fun about it. Or in my my, you're gonna you're gonna be busy doing all that backwards. Yeah, well, and I broke it up by person. I each person has like a shelf. So like, if you're looking for like Bonnie's books, you can just go look through Bonnie's, and you can look through. So you'll be able to go through and see each book girl's. Got picks. my own shelf. It has all kinds of scary shit on it. Yes, <laughs> scary weird, scary weird shit. Awesome. So that's our that's our ad for the day. Yes. So check out our bookshop.org storefront and we'll post the link. It's already in our link tree. Check it out. I'm trying to what else has happened. There hasn't been a whole lot of crazy lately, I feel like. Nothing super okay. weird. All all crazy is serious. Yeah, that's, that's true. the shitty part. There's yeah. war everywhere. Matthew Perry passed away. Israel yeah. is in turmoil. Gaza is on fire. It's just bad all the okay, way around. Now, I never watched Friends. I knew okay. kind of who Matthew Perry was, but I don't. But am I alone in being surprised at the amount of coverage it has gotten? Friends of State guy and don't get that much coverage. Um, I'm yeah, not, but he was on a show that defined a generation. Yes. That's exactly. Yes. yes. The, the Gen X elder millennial generation. I mean, we were watched, very attached to Chandler. We watched that show while Dylan was screaming from his colic. He would hear the Friends theme and he would start to scream. Does he still do that? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> a whole new generation yes. has watched it on stream framing. So... The parents loved it. Yes. And because the parents loved it, the kids are again resurrecting it and loving it. Yeah. And fun fact, because Chandler Bing worked in Tulsa at one point in the series, that Matthew Perry was made an honorary Tulsan. Cripes. Of course he was. Wow. But the best part is no one actually knows what the hell Chandler's job was. No. He's a transponster. He's a transponster. That's not even a word. I actually didn't start watching it till. 2007, when I was in college and I studied abroad. Studied abroad? Ireland. Like, what kind of abroad? Not abroad. <laughs> abroad. Uh, abroad. I studied abroad. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Go ahead. That was well played, though. One of my most vivid memories is my husband and I would watch every Thursday, and it was like, it was Friends and then Seinfeld and Wings. And so every Thursday would be TV night, like NBC night. And we were in our first apartment and we had moved to Ohio and we had just gotten married. And I can remember the last episode of one season and it was a nice night and we had our windows open and we were in our apartment and it was the night that 
uh, Ross says Rachel's Rachel. name when he's yes. getting married to Emily. Yes. And we both went, oh, and the apartment downstairs, the apartment <laughs> next to us, you just heard all this. Oh, so like everybody in all the apartments, you heard them all like gasping or, or like screaming. Yeah. And it was just so funny because I was like, oh, my God, we are all watching this show. Yeah. Right and you now. know what? I don't, I don't think that will ever happen again because yeah. it was a primetime TV world. Yes. When that was yeah. on. The closest I could say would be like Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, but it not wasn't everybody watches at the same time. Right. I mean, it was yeah. it was like it was on at seven o'clock on. I think it was Thursday, Thursday. night. Yep. Must see Thursday. Yep. And it's like you said, Keith, everybody's watching. Yeah. And you share, it was a water cooler thing. You know, you'd go to work and everybody was talking about what happened on Friends or Seinfeld or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of world doesn't really exist anymore. Not with streaming, well, no. No, because there wasn't a ton of cable, like there weren't a ton a of, lot of cable choices. channels at the time. Yeah. I mean, everyone had broadcast cable. Not everyone had like the higher channels or HBO. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any streaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obviously, so I mean, you yeah. know, like not everybody watched it. Pat was around during that time as well. She just didn't get into it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, obviously it doesn't appeal to everybody. I think but it was a large swath of society at that time who it became part of their narrative and then yes as an extension their kids narrative as well yes mm -hmm. i do think i appreciated it more watching it as a post-college age mm -hmm. because you got more of the jokes yeah then like when we when i would have watched it in high school like i probably would have laughed because i would have been like oh the laugh track's laughing or like the audience that's is laughing <laughs> but pat that's it's, your homework is to to start watching no she friends. will not want to watch it I have been joining in with the rest of the world late, as I like to do. It's like, let's make sure this is really worth committing my time. But I finally was prepared to watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. And we've done like, well, we've done seven seasons in probably a month. Okay, we that's pretty been, good. We've been, I mean, we've been doing two, three, sometimes four episodes. In what are your thoughts? Just I enjoy it. I mean, it's it's fun. Before Rod looks at it and he goes, oh, my, because he's he's writing his fourth book now. And he keeps going, people are going to think I stole stuff from this show. Also, <laughs> dragons, this is in my book. Oh, no. My husband had read all the books that were, you know, mm -hmm. written by right. them. It was all of them except the last one. And um, it, was still so not it was it was it was kind of annoying watching with him because. He knew things and he was just quiet in this really jerk, like not jerky, but this really sly kind of way. So like the red wedding came on oh. and I was like, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that yeah, I knew you weren't going to like that. And I'm just like, whoever does the set decoration, the background stuff that yeah. I have found. I mean, everything from just a, a picture to, you know. Have you found the coffee cup stuff? yet? Have you gotten I was just thinking of that. I remember when that happened, hearing it in the news. But I, when unless it was in season eight, that means I think it might be season eight. Time. People have no life. This is why we Some notice things are, like that. For me, one of the great delights has been watching Diana Rigg because I loved Diana Rigg when she was a young woman, and there she is, Elena Ty Tyrell. Oh, oh yes, okay, yes, okay. yes. And 
And she was, I mean- I loved her character. He was the first, for my money, the first true female action hero as Emma Peel in The Avengers. Oh, yeah. Mid-60s, and she was kicking ass with karate and fencing and- and uh, just and and being very fashionable and very mm-hmm. Diana Rigg British about it, but yeah. uh, to see her, what sixty years later? I mean, and she still has the best cheekbones in the world. Oh, she I really know. does. All right, we got to stop now. Man. I know we got to talk books. It, here's another little tidbit, and obviously we didn't prep for this, so I couldn't like put out a thing because I was I've been a little busy the last few month few weeks. And a little bit in my own head. And I totally forgot to mention to you guys that it was Native American Heritage Month in November. As the idea that we might read something with that. But I, myself, read something. Same. And so did she. So what happens, one of mine is too. (laughs) Well, sort of. Okay. Yeah. Well, Keith probably is not prepared for this and... And you don't have to be. You don't have to be, no. It's a happy accident, really. Yes. (laughs) So who... So it's not a theme that we're doing today. No. It just happens that I have rage questions that I need to discuss with other people. And you get to go first. I'm going to save mine for another week. Are you? Okay. Okay. That works. That works. Vani is out because there's a, a really cool life life event. In her family. There's a life event in her family that's like a good really one. a good one. It's cool. And she can talk about it when she comes back next week. So I'll get to go first. <laughs> I got to move my notes because I have so many. Actually, I most of them are in my head because I didn't bring my tabbed book with me today. Best part of this is I can move this microphone and not have to. Like, These are professional microphones. I can talk off the side. I know. I can talk off the front. Multi-talented. All right. So this week, I am reviewing Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. And if you have been with us since the 100s episodes, Nicole actually actually reviewed this on episode 104. So if you want to hear what both of us thought, that is where you can find her review. It was really funny because the very beginning of her review, she says something like, this is going to be made into a movie that's supposed to start filming. What did she say? 2018. 2018. <laughs> supposed to start filming 2018. So it I just didn't. I just thought that was really interesting because that was right when the book came out. And here we are in 2023 and the movie just came out. So Yes, it did not film until 2022. I will say, and I won't do a whole lot of comparing to the movie, but I will say if you have a hard time with stories with a lot of characters... Watching the movie first will help you because you'll have a visual of who some of these people are. If you get the hardcover of the paperback, there's pictures of the people as he talks about them. But for me, it was helpful to be able to picture, even though it's the actor and not the real person, it helped me keep them straight. So I will say that. Um, So Killers of the Flower Moon is a true story that happened here in Oklahoma in Osage County. And Osage County is where the Osage tribe was moved to over the years. And it was really like shit land. You weren't going to farm it well. There was just not great. And then one day, they found oil. And now they have the most coveted land in the land. And so, of course, 
black gold, as it is often called, uh, brought lots of people here. Uh, But because it was on tribal land, the tribe members had head rights to the money that is made off of the oil. So basically, it's their money. Uh, In the early 1900s is when this story is taking place. Mid-1920s, like somewhere in there. And at the time, the U.S. government had decided that the natives were not capable of handling their own shit. So there were a lot of people who were, quote-unquote, guardians over the Native Americans in the Osage tribe. And it didn't take long for these, quote-unquote, guardians to turn into giant assholes because they realized, hey, the Osage tribe members are making millions off this um, oil money that they're making. And when you look at pictures from the book and from history, they were all highly end-dressed. They had lots of jewelry. Um, They had the newest trends. A lot of pictures you see them in, like, flapper dresses, but they still carry their native blankets. The Osage tribe was known for having, they weren't really shawls, they were truly blankets that they would wear even with their flapper dresses. So there's lots of people coming in to Pahuska and Fairfax. So our main figures in the story are Molly Burkhart, Ernest Burkhart, which is, they're married. Molly is the Osage tribe member. Ernest is the nephew who William Hale, also known as the king of Osage County. So we can tell right there he's got red flags. And his uh, Ernest moves to Osage County and is just kind of BFFs with his uncle. And his uncle really quickly starts telling him like, hey, you know, the 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 tribe's got all this money and they've got all these jewels and you just can kind of tell that he's priming Ernest to do his bidding. And and I think Ernest deep down was not a bad person. He did terrible things. Terrible, horrible things that he knew were happening. But I'm not sure he was smart enough to realize what was happening. Like... So, basically, without getting... Because I could talk on this for hours. Um, Hale is systematically plotting and facilitating, whether that's hiring... Basically hiring hitmen to kill off tribe members. But when he, when he does it, he, they sign their head rights to him. And if they don't sign their head rights to him, so he'll have like insurance policies on them, basically. And then all of a sudden, they drink some bad moonshine and die. Tend to be the the common thread. Because it was 1900s, poisoning was harder to detect, right? And it was easy to say, oh, it's prohibition. They drank some bad moonshine and they died. Moving on. And it took years before the fledgling FBI got involved And in the meantime, Molly, she had two sisters and her mother and her, and one sister had already passed from what they called the wasting disease. 
So assuming potentially she was poisoned slowly over the course of years. But what really kicked off realizing that there was a lot going on was Molly's sister, Anne, was known to be a little footloose and fancy free. She was out drinking, hanging around at the bars, you know, those kind of, not not victim blaming, but that was just kind of her vibe. She was a free spirit. And she disappears. And some hunters find her down a ravine in a creek, murdered. And obviously murdered because she was shot in the back of the head. So, and there's no weapon. So she didn't do it to herself. And they, the autopsies are done by these two brothers that are the two doctors in town. And they suck so hard because they're basically in Hal's pocket the whole time, just making shit up as they go, basically. Anne's death just really catapults everything. And you start to realize that Molly's family is quickly disappearing. And each time somebody dies, the head right goes to the next person in line in the family. So basically, over the course of years, Hal is eliminating Molly's family so that his nephew ends up with all the head rights. It's a, it, it's a crazy story. And there was so many people, not just the Burkharts, not just Molly. Um, and as the FBI was formed, they would come and investigate. They had people undercover and they would kind of infiltrate the town. And it took them years to get enough evidence to actually try to put a case together. And it was it's a shocking story. And what really shocked me is that this was happening simultaneous to the Tulsa race riots, race massacres. So two of the biggest history events in the history of the state of Oklahoma were happening at the exact same time and effectively erased for like 100 years of history. Yep. And that blew my mind. So many people. The official count from the FBI is 26 people were killed in what they called the Reign of Terror. Some were linked to Hale, some were not. But David, when he was doing his research, he estimates it's more like 100 or 200 and over and far longer span of time than what his, the official account is. And you have to read this book. It's, and then see the movie or see the movie and then read the book, whichever. But it'll blow your mind when you sit down and read it and read what's basically been erased until 2017 when this book came out and now the movie in 2023. And yeah, it got, it got you. And I feel for Molly cause she lost everybody lost. They all lost all the, the tribe members lost someone. And as David was doing these interviews, he would be sitting at like tribal meetings and people would just sit down next to him and start talking and say, hey, my great-grandfather was XYZ. Can you see what you can find in the archives? We have always thought he was murdered. So he would try to go dig around in the archives. And because it was 1920, records weren't kept. And because they were Osage, records weren't kept because they didn't want a paper trail. Um, But it was fascinating how all these moving pieces 
came back basically to one man in the case of 26 confirmed um, murders all came back to one small group of people and their greed. Yeah. Just makes me want to take a shower just hearing about it. Yeah. I I haven't even seen the movie or read the book, but I live in Oklahoma and I can see how this might have happened. Oh, yeah. Just based on people's attitudes around here. And it was, oh, it was a gut punch. I, I texted in the, to the squad and I said, well, I just finished Killers of the Flower Moon and I have feelings and I have rage and I don't know, like, how to process all of this information. But it was very in, insightful and very tragic and very, just, it showed the worst of humanity, basically. And that, yeah. And and the FBI did get involved. They did, quote-unquote, solve the reign of terror, but not before 26 people died officially. And Molly, and I kind of, I want to go to Pahuska now. I want to go to, the, like, the places that were in the book. And For those of you who don't live here in Pahuska. It's not Pahuska. That's where the uh, pioneer woman Reed Drummond does yes. her thing. Yeah. Look it up. I don't I don't watch the show. I just know that everybody here thinks it's such a big deal. I'm trying to see if I've left it. I wish I had my book with all my notes. I'm looking to see. Well, we're time sensitive here, so I'll try not. But if anybody wants to message, tell me more. Because I will happily talk about this book forever. <laughs> but yes, so um highly recommend five out of five stars. And that is Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. And I will say the movie is spot on. Now we've had rage and anger in history. Perhaps we could have a little fun now. Do we have any? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any rage or anything. Do you have any fun in there? Spooky month is over. Yes! So now it's all romance and happiness. Again. Oh, are we in Christmas, Christmas season yet? Or do you wait? You know what? I, I seriously thought about it, and then I was like, ah, give her a few weeks before I start doing all my gooey Christmas. This would be a good Thanksgiving romance. Yeah, where's the turkey? Give the turkey his due. Yeah, there are. I haven't read any turkey romances, like Thanksgiving romances this year. I don't know if somebody's really... Uh, well, you know, technically. Dropping the ball on that. Try to find a native romance and we'll have it. We'll call it quits. There you go. <laughs> so the book I'm reviewing this week is called Friends Don't Fall in Love by Aaron Hahn. And uh, this is about country music scene and it all takes place in Nashville, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> I knew Megan would like that. Uh, this book is about Lorelai, and she is this uh, really big rising star in the country scene. She's really spiraling to the top. Um, she is engaged to this like mega country superstar guy who's part of a duo. And she's just doing really well for herself. Everything seems to be going her way. And she... She started out as a teacher, so uh, there's a big school shooting in the nation, and uh, she decides at her concert to sing protest song. And I, for the life of me, I don't remember what the song is, but it's a very popular song by uh, Brooks Nash and 
Brooks and Dunn? No. Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Thank you, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Ohio? Um, yes, thank you. She sings Ohio. You're singing, you're talking to a DJ here. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known you would know it. Um, but she sings that song in concert. And uh, for those of you who follow country music, think about what happened when the Dixie Chicks kind of went off, like went off and said something that people didn't agree with. She completely falls out of favor. Like her agent loses her number. She doesn't get playtime on the radio anymore. Like she's pretty much done in country music. And her fiance uh, just kind of ghosts her until one day she looks on his Instagram and he basically just announces that they're not together anymore. What a by dick. Instagram post, right? Hmm. Now, he, her fiance is part of a duo and his best friend and the duo guy, his name is Craig, and he has always really liked her. Like he's been in love with her forever. So he is pretty much the only person that stands by her. And then we fast forward five years and she has gone back to teaching and Craig has come into money and now um, he left the duo and now he, he owns an indie label. So Craig has always thought that Lorelai was really talented. And he's like, it's been five years. I have a label and I will produce your music. So come back and let's, Let's do this. So she comes back to Nashville and she gets an agent. This book is just a lot of fun because if you've listened to this podcast, you know where we stand on certain, you know, political issues. issues. Yeah. I have always been a big country fan. And sometimes other country fans, their beliefs don't jibe with mine so it was very refreshing to read about like a woman who i mean went on a limb saying ohio even because she really felt strongly about school shootings and everything um and now she's trying to make a comeback but everybody wants her to do like this big apology tour and kind of like kowtow down to everybody and just say that you know, she made a mistake and she was young and she's learned from this. So the book was really, first off, it's really fun just listening to all this stuff. Like they go really in depth into like what goes into making a, an album, um, into all the connections that you need to have, um, into just how fickle the industry is, what you have to do to to get far in the industry and it's just a really nice story about how they kind of want to make music history on their own terms and they kind of go they kind of fly in the face of the fans and what the fans want and I mean, it was very reminiscent of you know what happened to the dixie chicks it was very interesting to to just kind of get into that world and see just how rabid some of the fans are um and just how i it was really fascinating to just see how the record industry works and just how intra nashville is just 
I love Nashville. I mean, Megan's lived there, so she knows how fun it is. And there was just, it was just so like down home. You heard all about Nashville. They like, they have all the, all the little dive places are mentioned. It was a really sweet romance between two people who start out as friends and who have common interests. And it was a really great look into country music and into people who, who are keeping their beliefs, even though they're like, and sticking to their guns, even though it's not the popular move and not the move that you probably want to make if you want to do well in the industry. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was very, it was very cute, really nice palate cleanser, but it also had a lot of you know, issues that we're dealing with now. And I mean, you could just see a lot of similarities between the characters that they made up and people who are in the industry now. So you kind of could draw those comparisons. And uh, that was Friends Don't Fall in Love by Aaron Hahn. Hat. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because I'm always on the edge of my seat wondering if you're going to review something I have in my queue. Probably not in this case because the book that I am reviewing was written in 1992. Probably not. That's pretty current for Pat. (laughs) Not a whole way. Of the three books I could have done, they're from 1992, 93, and 1960. Hey, the world is full of good books that have been written for years, and you just haven't had time to get around to reading. That's exactly right. Sometimes you need to be uh, reminded of some things that that are out there that need to be read. Yes. So what I had was, actually, it was a book that I listened to. I listened to the audio of this one because of the way that we usually do spooky season in October. And then, of course, I ended up having my life consumed by the theater once again and not being here for any of the October shows. So this is my leftover from October. (laughs) I will say, although I I located it as part of a search for horror books, I would not call it a horror book. The book is called Beauty by Brian Diamato. It is... It is a horror book in possibly the last three to five percent of it. <laughs> Very ending. We get a horror ending, but it's just a fascinating character study up to that point. And if you want to meet a narrator, lead character, and narrator who you can love to hate, this is your book. The lead character, his name is Jamie. He is an artist. He is also a criminal in that he is he's developed a technique working together with a couple of friends of his who are true scientific researchers who've been trying to develop artificial skin for the use of you know for treating burn victims and that kind of thing well they develop an artificial skin but Jamie as an artist finds a he develops a technique in which Basically, he goes beyond plastic surgery. He strips off most of the muscle and and fat from a face, replaces it with a thick layer of this artificial skin, and carves the perfect face. Um, I think we found the horror part of this book. (laughs) What do you mean it's not horror? (laughs) Well, yeah, okay, so there is... 
but I mean, his result, it, it sounds like it would be gruesome, but no, he has, he does the most, the very beginning, he is doing the face of uh, an up and coming movie star. And he makes her, it's like better than a facelift. He makes her, you know, people go, it's not just a face. She's a little different, but they can't put their finger on it. There are a few drawbacks to this procedure because it is artificial skin. The people who receive it have no feeling in their faces anymore. It's like permanent numb face. But uh, the thing is, he is not a medically licensed person in any way, shape, or form. He is wor He works with a plastic surgeon who who manages, who takes care of the setting up the facilities and whatnot. And he works with these researchers who are in the lab up somewhere. It's implied, I'm not sure, Harvard, Yale, they're up somewhere in the Boston area at some prestigious school. So, um, Jamie is trying to keep things quiet, but he is also charging a fortune for this. He is for a young man, he's probably, he's about 30, I believe. He is rich as all get out because movie stars will pay a whole lot of money for this procedure. And he's also making some money from his art. He also is a painter. But he is the most egomaniacal, pretentious, self-centered person I think I have ever read in literature. He, uh, to the point that it's, if you if you met him in real life, you'd be disgusted, but it's almost amusing that one person can have quite this much pretension and snobbery mixed in with talent. And it's the uh I would I will have to look up who did the narration. It, it wasn't like a famous, it was very well done. I mean, he creates this character that is just like, ooh, God, you are such a smarm, but you are a brilliant artist at what you do. Well, fairly early on in the book, once we find out what Jamie's game is here with the faces, he begins dating an Indian, uh, East Indian woman who is, uh, her name is Jayshree, and she's an up-and-coming kind of performance artist sort of person. And she's already gorgeous, but he subtly starts dropping these, you could, you know, you could be even better. You could, do, and he undermines her confidence until finally she she kind of knows instinctively it's a bad idea, but she says yes, give me a new face, and he spends the description of the time and effort and research he puts into developing what he thinks is the epitome of human beauty. Based all the cultures of the world, he creates this face, and she becomes a mega hit. People are just stunned as soon as she's out in public he tells her she he's like you look too different from what you used to be you have to change your name you have to come out as a whole new person and she does that reluctantly and what as shortly after she becomes such a big hit we find out that the one of the researchers that he was working with was trying to do something else with this artificial skin, something that would make it, I think, better for fixing burn victims, better for some good cause, but he was messing with it. And the skin that Jamie has been using in these latest uh, cases that he's done, including Jayshree, start to fall apart. It but sounds fascinating.
Yeah. It's, like I said, the character making my face hurts. So, so deliciously fun to hate because he is just Mr. Self-centered, condescending toward anyone who is not fashionable and perfect and at the height of every new trend. And he's he's like, he is New York society at its very worst. Mm. But that was, that made it fun to read because really when someone is so smarmy that you can just love to hate them and can't wait to see how, because you know there's got to be some sort of comeuppance at the end of the book and seeing how it comes about is delightful. So that is Beauty by Brian Diamato. Pat, I think that 100% counts as a horror book. Fred, several <laughs> books that would fit into the medical horror category. But yeah, that's, yeah. yeah medical it's, it's horror. medical horror, yeah. definitely. Yeah. They're a subgenre. Let's say it gets more horrifying as we go on. Oh, of course. And, and you know what? I'm going to have to read it now. That leaves you, Martha. Yep. At the end of October last year, I began looking to see if I could find any either Native American authors that I was really interested in reading. See, I'm not going to read just anything just because it fits into a category. That's not how I read. I have to find something that I am interested in reading. And then if I like it, then I'll review it. Very choosy. So anyway, I had pulled up something from this particular author last year. When I went back and I was looking, I was like, oh, look, there's another one. Because sometimes if it's a mystery novel, it's not really all that necessary that you read all of them. And it's called Girl Gone Missing by Marcy R. Rendon. I recognized the main character right away when I started reading it because she is a young woman who is in college. The other thing I liked about it is it takes place in a very familiar area for me, and that is in Fargo, North Dakota. And she is from, I want to say the White Earth Indian Reservation, which is, which I'm also familiar with. It, it's kind of nice to at least have a frame of reference when you're reading something. This takes place in the 70s. So there was a lot of, kind of grew up later than that. So there were, were a few things like the free love and the Vietnam things that were going on in the book. I wasn't totally familiar with, but I really enjoyed the main character. Her name is, she goes by Cash, Cash Black Bear. She is a very rich and full character. And the book itself, I had a little few issues with the plot and some of the things that happened in the book. But the main character herself is such a rich character and you really see a lot of depth in the way that this particular Native American young woman has dealt with some of the things that have happened to her. She was put in a foster home at a very early age. So you get a lot of references back to the different foster homes that she'd stayed in. She was clearly abused in several of them, but she never really goes into detail. It's almost like it happened and she learned 
she learned how to deal with a lot of things through those experiences. And she is almost blase about some of them. It's like, yep, I know how to disassociate. So I can get through anything if I've been through some of these things I've been through. But like I said, she doesn't, she's not really, she doesn't tell the story that way. It's like you find out those things little by little as you go. She's going to college. I found it interesting because one of the first days that she's experiencing college, she goes in and she sits through the class and then she comes out and she's just breathing the air, breathing the air. She keeps talking about not liking being in these buildings because she's the type of person that is outside a lot. What she does for a living is she drives a beat truck all night and then she'll go to college during the day. She lives a very, very simple, frugal life. Well, in the beginning of this book, which is the second one, by the way, if you want to read the first one, that is also available. This guy shows up at her house in fatigues and says, I'm your brother, and just sort of comes in and plunks his stuff down and sort of just decides that he's, he doesn't ever say, I'm going to stay here. He just says, oh, I'll just be over here in the corner. And then little by little, you know, he buys groceries and he does these little things, but they hardly ever really communicate. So that's also very gradual, the way they kind of become siblings because they were split up at a very early age. She doesn't even really remember him very well. And he finds her in the weirdest way. He's, he's at the bar and he says he's looking for his sister. And he, he basically says he lost both his parents. And they go, oh, so did what's her name over here and gives, you know, her, some of her information. And that's how he ends up finding her. But there's also a subplot as well. In addition to you know, cash going through this college experience, there, some young girls go missing. And she is putting an emphasis on how creepy, how creepy these college professors are. Because, you know, the young girls are sitting in the front row in the really super short skirts and they're flirting. And she's sort of observing that because one of her friends is participating in it. For her, she's having none of it. She wants to test out. So she tests out of her English class. She goes back and she tries to test out of her science class. And they keep trying to talk her out of it. Well, because she tested out of her English class, she wrote this essay. And the teacher who she did the test with finds the essay so incredibly compelling, he enters it in a contest and she wins. So she has to go to Minneapolis to receive her award. Well. That all works out very well for her to pursue her. How would I put that? Let's just say the mystery follows her when she goes to Minneapolis. And so the missing girls and all of these things start to come together with the big mystery. Now, that's kind of where it lost me a little bit because the way that whole thing came down, the way, the way the mystery comes together, 
seemed a little unbelievable. It seemed a little too convenient to me. However, having said that, the book itself was so compelling because of Cash. She is an incredible character. And I would read that book again just based on that alone. And I will definitely read the third one because she is such a unique character. And you find out things about the Native American culture and the way they really are, the way they really grew up, their interactions with non-Native peoples in North Dakota. It was fascinating. It was, it was, she is really just an, an excellent character. If you are interested in reading a book about a young Native American in the 70s, woman, a woman especially, you'll want to pick this up. It's called Girl Gone Missing, The Cash Black Bear Mysteries by Marcy R. Rendon. I really don't think you needed to read the first one in order to really be invested in this character. It was an appropriate story for Native American Heritage Month because it really shows the depth uh, of the way Native peoples not only are tr were treated and are treated, um, but it also shows a lot of the difficulties that they went through early on in trying to get um, culture together in a cohesive way, mm -hmm. especially in certain parts of the country. So there you go. We don't see a lot of that here in Oklahoma because all the tribes are here and they're very organized. And um, in Wyoming and Montana, people live on the reservation. By and large. By and large, they do. Yes. Yeah. Here, the, the reservation is integrated. There, you'll see signs on the highway that say, entering yeah. Saks and Fox right, Reservation. Right. Or... And there are a few, but by and large, they're very, I mean, they even they have their own license plates here. They do. They're actually kind of cool. They're yeah. normally really interesting license plates. Yeah. You know, I have not been out uh, the... The main reservation out here is in the central part of the state. I haven't been out there in quite some time. I think they are more organized. Uh, than they because, used to be, yeah. And they used to be in part because they are, they're now more invested in a business. There's a yeah. resort kind of casino, hotel, restaurants. There's a yeah. whole. Anyway. There's lots to be learned. I need to go to mm -hmm. the museum, the new yes, museum. That's on my list of things to do. Um, I was going to try to take my sister next week, and she's not going to be here for long enough, so we're not going to do that. But the It's not the, First it, Nation. It's called the First American First museum. American. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just opened last last year, year before last. Yep. It, it's been under construction for a very long time, but they yeah. finally did get it moving, and they're they're making a resort they are. There is a resort. There's going to and be a, a resort there. a bunch of other cool stuff that's going to go up around the museum, a hotel yep. and a bunch of other things. I do I want to go. They it have the... It occurred to me, though, that what I was... When I said, you know, they've got this business and that's made them more organized. That really, I think, is is a classic example of white-centric thinking. It is true. They're, they're, I'm seeing them organized the way... We organize. See white people mm -hmm. organize a business. Mm -hmm. They're organized in their own way, but their way is different from ours. It That's is. true. That is culture is there mm -hmm. is different, and so I don't I don't want to let that stand, making it sound like oh they were disorganized well, and I, had their together beforehand. 
they just have a different angle. Yeah, that's true. They do. That's and it's valid. so very, very, very different and good different in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's really difficult to, when you don't have a frame of reference for something, to describe it. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that that definitely is the case for people who don't grow up with the culture the way they did. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll tell you, I've been down the rabbit hole because I did a presentation for a, a DAR chapter about the residential schools. Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. But they mentioned, in my book, Molly went to one. And now I want to look up that school and read, like, specifically about that school because it was mentioned in Well, Killers see, that's another Moon. really good example of us trying to press our own cultural yes. ideas on a culture that doesn't need to be changed. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if we've learned anything from all of this, it's that not only is the historical record on, uh, on our culture terrible, but it also tends to be not recorded very properly because it's sketchy as hell. The, the way we behaved towards everybody in our past, basically. Some of these things that have come to light, I mean, it just seems like every day there's something else really awful that comes out. It's like, but I, I would rather it take 100 years for us to get the stories than to them be lost forever. Agree, a thousand I, percent. Yeah. I'd rather 100 years later go, that shit actually happened? Then for I it wish to be forgotten. Could, I wish we didn't have to wait a fucking hundred years. I agree. Though. I agree. You should we shouldn't. But it still gets told and the story then gets remembered. And well, let's hope that we don't allow that to happen in our lifetimes. Yes. Oh, do you know what Oklahoma means? Like what the name means? No, do tell. Um, in oh shit, what language was it? One of the tribal languages, Oklahoma means red man. Oh, how rude. Yeah. That is that the is translation from when I forget which I it was in my book and I wrote it down. I actually think I did an Instagram story because I was like, say what now? You know what? Caucasian people are souls, man. But we but we took the native word. Yeah, but so they told it to us at some point. To name a whole state called Red Man. Don't yeah. you think don't you find that offensive? Yeah, it's terrible. But it was intriguing when I read it. Mm. I wonder, just because Homa is so similar to Om, to, to, the, to the Latin word for man, or the French word for man, it's like, was it truly a native word or was it something we imposed? Mm. Well, it's said in, in whichever... You're the linguist. You would know this, Pat. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it right now. Questions. I don't know the answers. Ah, well. <laughs> but the, you bring up a very good point. The word Indian... Was what we grew up using. We didn't even know it was offensive. We didn't realize it wasn't their name for themselves. It, it was Choctaw. Oh, it Choctaw. means red people. Mm. Derived from two words, Okla. People was people was Okla, and red was Huma. H U M M A. Okay, so the the Huma is not related in any way, shape, or. But it was a good to. thought. You were on. A, it was a good thought there. I've learned so many things in this book that it just boggled my mind. That's why there's so many tabs. I like to think that because we are readers, that 
we are going to be able to be more thoughtful in the ways that we approach people who are different from us. Yes. Because we've read about so many different kinds of cultures. I like really wanted to go and like put flowers on like the bir- the Molly's like family plots because yeah, it just felt like compelled too. to like do native people put flowers. I don't know. Though? That's a gr- I don't know. But I thought like <laughs> as I finished the story, I was like, I want to like go there and like honor them in some way. Well, it must be a really good book if you felt that deeply about yeah. it. I, yeah, I, I did. I felt like I was like, I need to go stand there and like be like, you're not forgotten. Like it just that's how I felt when I closed mm. the book. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, you know what? T- who Tinker's named after? Who? Tink- so we have Tinker Air Force Base here. Yeah. Um, Tinker was named after the first Native American pilot to reach the rank of Major General in the Air Force, and he was killed in World War II. Hmm. Huh. I was like, that should be like Oklahoma Trivia 101. And he was Osage. That's well, why so- it was in the book. Megan is just like a font of knowledge over here today. I don't know what got into her all of us. It was just like, you know, when sometimes you read like nonfiction books and it feels like a textbook. Uh This felt like a story. Like he Uh, laid it all out for uh, you in a cohesive way. Where, yes, you knew they were real people, but you felt like you were watching the movie. Like you could. Cool. Yeah. So I just picked up all kinds of things because I was so enthralled in this. So this is high praise coming from Megan. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. So I guess what we're saying is you can't really be funny to end this kind of a podcast. I'm sure we can think of something. Ah, damn it. There's really no... You guys brought down the room. I know. Jesus. I just learned so many things that I haven't been up there. There's no great transition going from this kind of material into... It should be something inherently funny about the fact that all of us were fairly serious this time. That's true. That is kind of funny. Except for Keith. Keith Keith was like, music! Yeah, but I mean, there was a little horror, there was a little music, there was a little education, and there was a little mystery. You see? We had all the things this week. We did. We did really well. And I still feel like I need to go to a rage room. It's kind of like um, book stew this week. Just that they're stirring our paperback, our books in a a cauldron. Double, double. Toil and trouble. A week late, and that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls Squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.